Welcome to the PCTR Podcast. I'm Robbie Itterberg, Senior Pastor. I want to thank you for listening today. We hope that you hear from God and that this podcast encourages you in your faith journey. You can connect with us on social at facebook.com slash PCTRNJ or our Instagram handle, PCTRNJ. Or you can find more information or resources at PCTR.org. Have a great day. Peace. and happy, and then you realize that this human being that you have connected with has no ability or opportunity or authority to take care of your needs. And then, if you're like me, very politely, you say, could you get me to someone who could take care of me, who has the authority and the power to say yes? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be awesome if we could go right to the top and and get right to somebody who could just take care of our problems? Well, we've been looking at Abraham, God's man of faith. And that's exactly what happens to him. Two of God's angels have shown up. They look like men, but clearly they're angels and representatives of God, and they've told Abraham and Sarah, who've waited almost 25 years, not understanding, but believing and trusting, that they are going to have a son, and that will be soon. And the two men have done their thing with them, they've given them their information, and now they're on their way. And that's where we pick up Abraham and Sarah. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. And then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin so grievous, that I will go down and see what they, if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached the Lord and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked. 
treating the righteous and the wicked alike, far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five people? If I find 45 there, God said, I will not destroy it. And once again, he spoke to him, what if only 40 are found there? He's really pushing his luck here, isn't he? <laughs> Don't try this at home, all right? What if only 40? And he said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. And then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? And he answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Well, he's, feeling, he's feeling his oats here. And Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? And he said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. And then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? And he answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left. And Abraham returned home. This is the word of the Lord. It's so interesting that, that we find God talking to himself. Okay, did you catch that? He said, why, why shouldn't I tell him what I'm about to do? I, I believe he's talking to the Trinity. And if, if you have an issue, you know, the whole Trinity thing is, is too much, just think of it as God talking to himself. Because there's three of himself, okay? Just go with me on that, all right? He says, well, why wouldn't I tell Abraham? He's my guy. I mean, he's the guy. He's the one that, that trusted and believed and followed. And when I told him, we're going to go someplace, and I'm not going to show you where it is until you get there. And you're going to have descendants that are as many as the stars in the sky. We live in Tom's River. We can't really see many stars. But he said, as many as the same grains of sand on the seashore. Come on, we know that one, right? Like in my minivan at the end of the summer, you know? He said, you're going to have that many descendants. And they, they haven't had any children. But he's a man of faith. And God says, why shouldn't I share with him what I'm about to do? And the interesting thing is, he doesn't share it. He doesn't say what he's going to do. But Abraham knows. Because he's so connected by faith. Last week, Pastor Robbie preached with the, with the scripture that said, you know, if we have the mind of Jesus, if we renew our minds, then we know what God's will is. And Abraham has the, has the mind of God. He, he's, he's followed God. He's trusted God. And he knows what God's about to do. And so he talks back to him. He, he, he advocates for the righteous to be saved. Why would you destroy the righteous along with the wicked? The righteous don't deserve the same thing as the wicked. Well, just like that, the conversation's over. He talks God down to only ten righteous. The, the two men go off to Sodom and Gomorrah, and if you know anything about the story, it doesn't go well. But God proves himself to be even more merciful than Abraham asks him to be, because there are only four. They don't make it to ten. And God saves the righteous. But what about this saving the righteous versus the wicked? What about that? I mean, who is righteous? And, and how do you become righteous? What, 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 what makes someone righteous? 
does God grade on the curve? This righteousness thing? I mean, when I was in school, when I was in college, all we wanted to know, the first thing we wanted to know about any professor is, did they grade on the curve? But what about that? Where's the certainty in this righteousness thing? I mean, how good is good enough? There's some angst there. There's some, some difficulty there. And, and I confess to you that I find this, this, whole, this whole piece of, of scripture here about Sodom and Gomorrah difficult and, and, and troubling. And, and the, the troubling issue of how good is good enough. But if that's where it ended, this would be a very short sermon. But God's just getting started. And so am I. Because God finds the perfect way to show us how merciful and how loving and how wonderful he is. His spirit doesn't show up this time. He shows up in a body. He shows up. God shows up as a human being in a human body where we can see and feel and touch and Jesus bleeds and, and sweats and is hungry and, and gets just all of the kinds of angst and difficulties that we go through, Jesus goes through and through it all with the disciples. Don't you love the disciples? Come on. I mean, I love the disciples because I feel like if, if Jesus hung in there with them, there's hope for me. All right? But through it all, Jesus shows this love and this mercy through his life and through his words, through his death. Jesus shows that his mercy his love are overflowing. Don't you love that piece of God's love that it's overflowing? I mean, overflowing doesn't make any sense. But God loves us just that much. He doesn't say, I'll give you this much. You only deserve that much. God says, I'm just going to dump it on you until it's overflowing. I'm going to love you so much it doesn't make sense. He shows us through his life and his death that his love and his mercy are overflowing and he shows us with his resurrection that his mercy and his love are infinite and everlasting. Amen? Come on. Alright. So, and then Jesus advocates to God. Abraham did it. Jesus does it. But Jesus advocating to God is a whole lot different from Abraham because Jesus doesn't advocate like dust and ashes. Remember, Abraham says, hey, I'm just dust and ashes, but, but could, you, could we negotiate a little bit more? Jesus doesn't negotiate as dust and ashes. Jesus negotiates as the beloved son talking to his loving father. I don't know about you, but I'm the one in my family that always says yes to the grandkids. All right? want to go to the store? Who's going? If it's me, they all want to go. <laughs> this is the beloved son talking to the loving father. That's a little different kind of advocacy, don't you think? And this isn't somebody who's powerless like Abraham talking to the all-powerful God. This is Jesus who, as he was leaving, said this, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. What if we trusted and believed that? What if we lived our lives that way? That Jesus truly does have all authority in heaven and earth. And Jesus doesn't negotiate for Abraham. He negotiates for you and for me. 
And most important, and most critically for us, and what we're talking about today is, Jesus doesn't negotiate for the righteous. Jesus negotiates for the unrighteous. Now, why would Jesus do that? Why would he, why would he care about the unrighteous? Because he cares about you, and he cares about me. Let's see what Paul has to say about that. Listen to what Paul says, all right? He says, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. You know what that means? It's pass-fail, and we all fail. On our own righteousness, our own goodness, we all fail. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, it's the law that makes us understand how unrighteous we are. But now, don't you love the words, but now? I love the words, but now. Go with me here. But now, apart from the law, nothing to do with our works. The righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Who gets Jesus' righteousness? Come on, it's a quiz. Who, how many? All. all. Say, say the word all. all. Is there any certainty in the word all? All who believe. Jesus' righteousness is given to all who believe. Go with me. We've got some more alls coming up. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned. And all fall short of the glory of God. But all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came from Jesus Christ. All are justified. We are made right with God. All of us. If we are in Christ Jesus. There's a certainty, my sisters and brothers, there's a certainty that we have in Jesus Christ that we are all sinners, that we all fall short with our own works and our own righteousness, our own goodness. Who's good enough? No one. But who is loved by Jesus? Who is offered the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ? Who is clothed in the righteousness of Christ? That's what, that's what the scriptures tell us. That when we get to heaven, we're going to be, we're going to look like Jesus. We're going to be clothed in his righteousness, in his perfection. How many of us? You did well on that. You're a fast learner. All of us. All of us. Our rightness before God, our standing before God was bought for us on the cross by Jesus Christ. When his blood was shed and he was the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, all of us. And his sacrifice saves us. So we can be certain. You know, last words count. What you say at the very end means something. And Jesus, this Jesus who on the cross earlier said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. We're the them. Not because we deserve the forgiveness of Christ, but because that's who he is. And that's what he does. And that's what he gives us freely from his grace. His grace is the love that he gives to all of us that we don't deserve, but he gives. And then, at the very end, he said, it is finished. Now, I don't want to be a Greek geek, for you. 
But the New Testament was written in Greek. And the words, it is finished, are the same words that would be stamped on a bill when it was paid in full. Aren't those lovely words, paid in full? We're doing an awesome job with the paying off the mortgage on this church. And I hope when we finish it, we burn it and we all get to watch. <laughs> right? But it will be paid in full. The debt canceled. And that's what Jesus gives to you and me. Paid in full. We can be certain. And so, what does Jesus ask from us then? How do we respond to that? Jesus calls us to be followers and not just believers. To live with gratitude for this gift that Jesus has given us. Not to be believers and say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm right with God, I'm right with Jesus, I can do whatever I want and live my life however I want. I know that some of you are thinking, well, what, what about behavior? Doesn't, doesn't that count? What about what I do and don't do? Doesn't that count? Sure it does. It counts because we're supposed to live lives of gratitude for this wonderful gift that we've been given. Not because we, we're worried that we're not going to make it or we're not good enough, but because God has blessed us with this overflowing love who sent his son to die for you and for me to pay the price that we couldn't pay. So he calls us to live lives of gratitude and not just to be ones that have ex experienced mercy, but he wants us to be merciful. He wants us to show that mercy. Can we put that up? Jesus gave us the Beatitudes. Remember the Beatitudes, the blesseds? Right? Blessed are the... I, I wonder why we say blessed. You know, we don't say blessed any other place, and we say blessed during those. But Jesus said, you know, what, you know how you will be blessed? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. He wants us to be merciful to others. He wants us to take the mercy that he has given us and extend that to those around us, to those in the world, to everyone who comes across our path, to everyone that we meet. He wants us to show that mercy to others and live lives of gratitude. Well, who are we supposed to show that mercy to? Can we put the, the Luke passage up, please? These guys back there are awesome. They're, they're putting up with the new guy. All right? Listen to what Jesus says. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get any, anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is, he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. So Jesus calls us to be like him, to try our best to live like Jesus and be conformed to who Jesus is, to leave who I am back here and in my life to make this authentic effort to be more like Jesus. 
Ever see a little kid trying to learn to ride a bike or skate with ice skates or roller skate or surf or ever see the, the pride on the, on the face and, the, and the, ever feel that pride as, as you try to teach somebody young how to do something? This is the effort that, this is, the, this is God's reaction to us. As we put forth this effort to live like Jesus, to love the unlovable, to love our neighbors when they're like us and when they're not like us, when they look like us and when they don't look like us, when they vote like us and when they don't vote like us, when they behave like us and when they don't behave like us. That's the response that Jesus wants from us. It's a response of gratitude. It's a response of saying, thank you, Lord, for giving me the gift of salvation, for giving me the gift of life, for giving me the gift of joy, and for giving me the gift of certainty. Abraham trusted God and followed God wherever God took him. And Jesus trusted God. People were always saying to Jesus, no, don't do it this way. Do that. And Jesus constantly had the same answer. I didn't come to do my will. I came to do my father's will because he trusted his father's plan for his mission here. And Jesus calls us to trust him. He calls us to trust his promise that God will bring justice. I know you're thinking, oh yeah, there's mercy and there's mercy and there's mercy, but there's got to be justice. Yes, there does. But Jesus has promised us that God will bring justice. And God will do it God's way. And God will do it in God's timing. And that we are not to set ourselves up as God's judge and jury. That we are to be merciful that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And if we do that, if we love our neighbor, if we live and try our best to show the mercy of Christ that he has given us, do you believe that we will be blessed for that? Certainly. 